Hello, I am your host, Jennifer Bogard. I'm a life coach and a fellow traveler on this path that we call life. I created this podcast because I've noticed how many of us are sleepwalking on the journey, stressed out, numb, and distracted on autopilot, rinse and repeat. We are meant for more. If you sense that life is supposed to be more than the one you are living today, and you are desperate for a change, but you're not sure how to do it, then stay put because you are in the right place. Every week, I will provide you with a bite-sized nugget that will help you to wake up to the life that is calling you. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back to episode 49 of Wake Up, Your Life is Calling. Today, I am asking the question, how good can you stand it? And what I mean by that question really has to do with our capacity to have the things that we want so badly. So let me back up. The question that we talk about a lot around here is what do you want? And asking that question is really just a way for us to flesh out what are the dreams and the desires that are floating around in your heart and in your mind that are the roadmap for the life that you're meant to have. And once you have answered that question for yourself, and you've told yourself the truth about what those dreams and desires are. And let's just say you have the courage to not only admit it, but to go after it. And maybe you achieve one or more of those dreams or desires. It is fascinating to notice how difficult it can be to have that thing that you want. So all of this reflection is based on a book that I read a while ago called The Big Leap. Gay Hendricks is the author of that book. And the book talks about how we all have a certain way that we see ourselves, which would be what we consider our identity. And within the identity that we have in our mind, we all have a certain set point for happiness. So think about a set point for happiness, like you would think about a thermometer. Okay, so maybe your set point for happiness is a very typical average setting of say 72. Or maybe you are a more melancholy type of person. And so you're a little bit lower in your set point and say you sit around a 58. Or maybe you are just a more naturally joyful person and you're really high. Say your set point is around a 95. So the point the book makes is that whenever our happiness begins to move too much in either direction, then we will begin to feel uncomfortable. And the book explains that our natural tendency when this happens is to recalibrate ourselves back to our set point. 
And I think that we all kind of know this intuitively with negative emotions, right? We know that when we start feeling down or using our metaphor, if our temperature begins to drop below our set point, then we will very naturally start to look for ways to comfort ourselves and make ourselves feel better. This very often looks for those quick hits of happy that we go for, right? The quick hits of dopamine, something to consume, something to eat, or something to drink, or something to watch, or something to buy, just something that will make us feel better. What most of us don't realize, however, is that we do the same thing when we start moving too far in the positive direction as well. When we get the thing that we want, whether it be a weight loss goal or more money in the bank or love or a better, more solid relationship with your kids or with your spouse, whatever it is, it's fascinating to notice that we are challenged with the capacity to have that thing once we get it. So once again, the question becomes, how good can you stand it? I have noticed this with myself recently in my relationship. I have been dating someone for um, several months since the first part of the year. And honestly, he's amazing. He is exactly the type of man that I have dreamed of and that I've prayed for. He is very emotionally healthy and able to love and connect with his whole heart. And he offers it freely and without reservation. And it is honestly so refreshing. And even still on several occasions, I have noticed my tendency to want to pull back and to create space and distance so that he doesn't get too close and I don't become too attached. Because the truth is, I am not entirely comfortable in the having of this relationship, this person in my life that I have longed to have. And our brains are wired to keep us safe. And so my brain just wants to keep me safe. And in doing so, it will spin stories that my boyfriend could change his mind at any time and that he could just disappear. And at any moment, I have to be prepared for that. So I should pull back and I should stay unattached. And if I allow myself to engage with those stories at all, then the result is I sabotage myself and my happiness. I have seen the same phenomenon happen so many times with so many different clients in so many different realms of life. So when this comes up for me, I can recognize it really quickly. The first time that I remember seeing this with a client was one of my very first clients that I worked with several years ago. 
And she was an entrepreneur who had struggled in the beginning stages of her business. But by the time that I met her, she had begun to experience some success and was making pretty good money. And I guess it's fair to say that she had a lot more money at the point when I met her than she was used to having. And it made her feel very uncomfortable. And so her inclination was to spend the money. And she was spending like crazy. And she was starting to feel like her spending was really out of control. And even though she had the money, she was just spending it in ways that she was noticing were just very out of character and felt, again, very out of control. So I asked her, what would it be like to just have that money sitting in your account without spending it? Can you just have the money without spending it, without investing it, without doing anything at all with it for just a minute? Just let it be there and just be with the money. And in a way that was asking her, can you just sit with this accomplishment of having earned this money. I have also noticed this with other clients who have lost weight and reached their goal weight. I was doing weight loss and health coaching for a while. And very commonly, people would get to the number on the scale that they had longed to get to and almost immediately turn around and begin to sabotage themselves. Because in their minds, even though they had lost the weight, and the number on the scale had changed, and it was now what they had always longed to see, in their mind, they did not see themselves that way. In their mind, they still were a a bigger number, a bigger size clothing, they still were a bigger person. So it was an identity crisis. It's like as soon as something good happens, we immediately start anticipating losing it. Or we just can't believe it. Because on some level, we don't believe we are worthy of having it. It's like you have a version of yourself in your mind of who you are and what you're capable of. And once you kind of blow the roof off of that vision you have of yourself in your mind, it takes time and practice to get used to stepping into a new identity. This is One of the reasons why it can be excruciatingly uncomfortable to dream or set goals, because when you are reaching for more than you have or more than you are today, that challenges your beliefs about your identity and about who you are. But when you have the courage to do that anyway, and then you actually get the thing that you're reaching for, it can be hard to accept because even though you have dared to dream, you haven't 
yet fully stepped into your new identity as the person who has the thing that you've always wanted. It is a skill, my friend, to live in a new reality that your brain has not yet fully absorbed or embraced. You believed in the reality enough to create it, but can you believe in it enough to have it? Once you have gotten the thing that you've always wanted, whether it's the job or just making more money or the goal weight or the relationship of your dreams, whatever it is, once you've gotten there, once you've quote unquote arrived, the saboteur in your mind, what many people call imposter syndrome, that feeling of undeservingness or unworthiness, or just simply not being capable or enough will immediately kick in. You have created this reality, but you don't know yet how to be with it. This is the skill of creating a new identity. This is the skill of being and living in abundance. So how do you do it? How do you learn and practice the skill of being in abundance and living in a new identity? Stepping into a new identity and living in abundance requires us to learn how to be with ourselves. Part of being human is having a human brain and our brains will always spin stories that we are not enough, that we are not lovable or capable, and that we don't deserve anything that we have. This is normal. Learning to be with yourself is learning to not believe everything that you think. It is learning to manage your mind and tell yourself the truth. And the truth is, my friend, that you are enough. You are lovable and you are capable and you are worthy and deserving of every good thing that you have and that you ever will have in this life. Period. There is nothing you can do or not do to make this any more or less true. You are born into this and you do not have to earn it. So feeling guilty or unworthy or undeserving does not serve you or anyone else around you. And this can be very hard to see in ourselves. These limiting beliefs that we have are so deeply rooted and so ingrained that they are just the water that we are swimming in. And it can be hard to notice when these limiting beliefs are creeping in and threatening our capacity to have. This is what I call identity work, and it has been the core of so much of the work that I have done with my own coach, and it is also the the bulk of the work that I do with my own clients. 
So if you need help stepping into a new identity and learning to believe new things about yourself so that you can dream and be and do and have things that you have never had and that you have always wanted, then I can help you with that. The best gift that you have to give yourself and your children, if you have them, and honestly, everyone in your world is your own peace and your joy and genuine happiness. Your capacity to have the dreams and the desires of your heart is a gift that you give to yourself and to everyone else in your world. Your dreams and desires are always going to be evolving. Once you experience success in one area of your life, or you get something that you've always wanted, there's always going to be something else on the horizon. And if you don't up-level your capacity to have, then you will continually be inclined to sabotage yourself and your success so that evolution doesn't have a chance to occur. And you will find yourself always chasing the same goal. You can embrace success and having what you have when you stop believing the old stories of unworthiness and not enoughness, and you embrace abundance. The game is not, I don't have enough, so I have to get enough and then I'll be enough. No, that's not it. It is, I am already enough and I still get to want more just because it's okay to want what I want just for the sake of it. Getting it only makes me more of who I already am. From this place, you can fully embrace what you have and continue to create more. In many ways, it is much easier to just stay put, isn't it? It's easier not to get the things that you want, because then you don't have to deal with this imposter syndrome or self-sabotage or guilt. Do it anyway. It will ultimately give you the opportunity to grow and evolve and expand and to have the life that you are meant to have. That is what I have for you this week, my friend. I hope that it's been helpful. If it has, would you please consider sharing it with someone who could use the message? Until next week, I will be here cheering you on and I hope to see you back again very soon.